0: Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom.
1: Okay. Welcome to our Tuesday night Torah class. Um, Glad you joined us. Let me open in prayer. Father God, thank you for the day. Thanks for the great weather we're having. Uh, We just thank you for the Torah and the Torah study and the portions we're looking at this week. I just ask that you'd uh, be in our discussion tonight as we look at these things and and help us to consider, um, consider what's, what's being told, the story that's being told, and see how it applies to us and the things that we can learn from it. And I just appreciate so much this opportunity to learn from each other. So help us to be, uh, have open ears and open hearts so we can hear what other people think. And I trust that you will bless us with a greater and deeper understanding of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Margaret. Um, so... Last week, we reached the climax, and um, when Joseph framed his little brother Benjamin by putting the silver cup in, the, in his bag of wheat, and then wherever they all got ushered back to Joseph, who they still thought was this Egyptian guy, and uh, they said, you know, gee whiz, we're you know, we're really sorry about this. We'll be your slaves. And he says, no, 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 that's okay. You don't have to, you don't all have to do that. Uh, I'll just keep this, the younger one here that stole the thing and all the rest of you can go back home to your father. And that's when we read that kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, very heartfelt speech by Benjamin. I'm sorry, by Judah, where he said, my father just uh, has got his whole life wrapped up in this boy and if I go back without him, it'll just kill him. And don't do that, I would rather stay in his place. And the, the obvious example of that, of course, is what Yeshua has done for us. But there's tons of parallels between the story of Joseph and the, the things that Yeshua did. So I thought, I have it in the notes, a list of all of these, or right, not all of them, but a good size list. There must be like 15 or 20 of them here. So I thought we would, uh, I'd just ask you guys. So what are, how many similarities between the story of Joseph's life and the life of Yeshua can you come up with? Just, you know, what, what's an example of one? I mean, I'll give you one, a uh, pretty simple one. They're both beloved by their fathers, right? Okay, what's another one?
2: I have 30.
1: Ah, you got me beat. Okay. well. Without naming
2: all of them, give me another one. Let's no, talk. seriously. I, I, we went through this before, and I, I thought it'd be a good thing to do a list. Yep. If I can do a plug. Okay. MyHebrewBible.com. Go to the lists. Okay. And there's Yeshua and Yosef, or Yosef and Yeshua comparison. Great. Okay. So I did a whole Go for of some there. of them. Oh, I don't know. Beloved by His Father. Wow, I, that's... Mm-hmm. Maybe I got the first part from you. I don't know. You probably did. That's Okay. <laughs> Envied and hated without a cause. Yep, that's true. <laughs> uh, a they, root out of dry ground, what? Hmm, I don't have that one. That's because I don't understand it. <laughs> he was the son of his old age. Ah, uh, well now. He, Messiah, shall grow up before him like a root out of a dry ground. Okay, I don't know. That's Isaiah 53. Okay. I don't know. There's a whole. I, okay,
1: I don't There's, want you, you got to got a go bunch of others. It. Okay, I've got. Uh, they both regarded themselves as shepherds, although you could argue that Yeshua thought he was a carpenter too. They were both sent by their father to their brothers. Okay. Um, they were both plotted against
2: by their brothers. John. I'm not looking at my list. Okay, fine. I'm not looking at my list. He reunites the family. Yes. I mean, if you ex- I certainly accept the argument that a major, if not the major salvific work of the Messiah is I've come but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel to yep. save them from the bill of divorce yep. and thereby enabling the two houses, i.e., whole Israel, all of Israel, to become a hud, to become one. Yeah, yeah. So he's reuniting he, the family. That's not he, on my list and it ought to be. Yeah. and and the one that uh you know they were all bow down to me yeah we haven't gotten that quite yet no. there with the yeshua but that's the that's the prophecy yep that's a good point um both
1: yeshua and joseph were severely tempted one by potiphar's wife and the other by satan let's see they were both taken to egypt Uh, uh They were both stripped of their robes. Yeah. I
3: don't know if this is correct or not, but uh, God, uh, Joseph, saved uh, the country or whatever from the famine. Mm -hmm. Yeshua saved the world through his death, burial, and
1: resurrection. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That's that's good.
4: Mark named one uh, on Shabbat. Of uh being the caregiver being the the um, uh uh what's the word that's used mark um oh, uh like ruler over but meaning per- steward both of them were stewards over Yeshua's steward over uh the father's creation mm-hmm. and and uh joseph steward over uh yeah yeah
2: yeah that's right. yeshua is ben Yosef, the son of joseph yep there's a relationship there right? it's not exactly yep, yep. his well, they, physical they, father was named joseph yep he's yep. like the second joseph or the yep. mashiach ben joseph they yeah they a lot of times they have mashiach ben joseph and mashiach ben david
1: so one of them is the suffering servant and the other is the reigning king They were both sold for the price of a slave. They were both sold, betrayed for the price of a slave. Uh, Let's see, they were both falsely
2: accused. Judah was eminent in both stories. Good point. Judah was eminent in both stories, yeah.
1: Oh, here's a funny one. They were both respected by their jailers. Um, They were both placed with two prisoners, one later lost and the other saved. How about that? That's a funny one, isn't it? They were both about 30 years old at the beginning of their ministries. They were both highly exalted after their sufferings. They both took non-Hebrew brides. Think about that. They both took non-Hebrew brides. Now, you know Joseph's So I guess the idea with a non-Hebrew bride would be the, if you, you know, the non, the Gentile church, so to speak. It'd be the, from our perspective, the Ephraimites that have forgotten their heritage, right? Have you ever thought about how long it takes to become not Jewish? Not Jewish. Let's say you were, let's say your grandfather was born, raised Jewish but your father and and whoever he married decided not to have much to do with it um you'd still know about your grandfather but if you go one more generation it starts to become like well i've heard that my great grandfather who died before i was born was jewish but you know i don't know anything about it and then uh, it doesn't take but three or four certainly five generations if if it doesn't if it's not
5: taught in the home and kept Alive, it goes away. So you mean Jewish in terms of practicing Judaism?
1: Well, no. Not Jewish uh, well, okay, how of... do you measure Judaism any other way?
5: Well, I mean, if you're from Judah, then you may not practice it. No, okay, well, let's,
1: let's assume that not everybody has their lineage traced back, okay. which is the case, right? Not everybody does. So I just, I just would posit that for something to talk about. Good. Joseph,
3: when he was younger, had a coat. Uh, many colors. Yep, Yeshua had a coat. Righteousness.
4: Yep, that's fine. That's good. Since we're off topic on some things,
1: well, that's, that's a, it's a rabbit trail. I try to keep the rabbit trail short, but go ahead.
4: Um, years until they started calling upon the name of the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, wrongly. Mm-hmm. And it just occurred to me back then, they lived 10 times longer than we do today.
1: Well, that was before Noah.
4: Right. Yes. So today, given 130 years, Mm -hmm. roughly a 10th, and how many generations is in 130 years? Roughly enough to start calling on the...
2: Yeah, yeah, start doing it wrong, if you will. Yeah, okay. So this, the Torah safeguards us, and he says, teach these to your children and your children's children. Yes. It isn't just the father's responsibility, it's the yes. grandfather's. Yes, but my, and, and you're exactly right. But my point is, is if,
1: that, if someone, like let's say the grandfather, decides, you know, they, they've, been, they've been captured by the Assyrians and hauled off to some country that ever knew where was and stuck in with a bunch of people that don't practice Judaism at all, or know what it is even, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to make these traditions and all this stuff pass down from generation to generation. My point was simply that it's not that hard to imagine that a good number of these people lost
2: their identity. Now at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, don't provoke me to jealousy or I'll curse you to the third or the fourth generation. Those are the ones that, that get the real punishment. Yeah. The first couple, eh, we can coast. We kind of know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. We know what's right, but we don't really promote it. We don't want to push it to our children.
1: Yeah. 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 As a matter (laughs) of fact, that's, that's one of the things that I I hear a lot and kind of drives me up a wall is when, well, you know, I don't want to make the decision for my kids. I want them to make it for themselves. Well, that's okay to some degree. I mean, everybody's got to have their own personal relationship with God, but it's not like, oh no, no, you don't have to do anything. If you want to stay home and you know, do whatever else you do on these days. That's okay, because we're not going to force anything down your throat. Well, how are they ever going to learn anything? You can say the same thing about the times table. Okay, if it's too hard, you don't have to learn them. Right? Uh, let's see. That's that's enough, I suppose, for now. Oh, here's one. I should do this one. Both lost their brothers for a time. Joseph lost his brothers for the 30 years that he was in Egypt, and uh, not wasn't quite 30, 20 some odd. Um, And Yeshua has lost his brothers until we uh, are reunited. I don't know, just something to think about. I wanted to do that because I liked it. Okay, let's move on. Um. So last week in chapter 46 um I just want to talk about a few things just kind of um make sure we're we got some of the points that we needed to get out of it um Jacob after seeing you know the the great cool chariots and everything that his sons came back with from Joseph uh decided that maybe there was something to what they were saying and so and and Joseph says you need to Load all the family up and and move to Egypt. Don't worry about anything, I'll take care of you. Um and do you remember what what they did when they left, the first thing that happened? Chapter 46. You can go cheat and look. When and when they left uh Hebron, you know, and they started started to go to Egypt. Started on their trip to Egypt, where did they go? Yeah, beersheba. And and I think it's important that we think a little bit about the fact that he went to Beersheba and he offered a sacrifice there, much to Ben Shapiro's chagrin. <laughs> um, and the, the point was, I, let's see, Jacob has spent his entire life clinging to God's promise. God's promise that had been handed down to him from Abraham and from Isaac, and God's promise... Included several things, but one of the big ones was the land. This land will be yours and your descendants. So to for him to go to Egypt was a step in the wrong direction, right? He he knew he needed to be in the land in order for his descendants to take the land, have the land, right? So God, what did God tell him? says, don't worry, don't be fearful, go to Egypt, this is all part of the plan. As a matter of fact, he gives him some very specific things. Um, verse 3, uh, it says, I am Elohim, the Elohim of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. And I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. He tells him Joseph's going to be with him when he dies. So I just thought that was an important thing to remember. Then we go through all that genealogy stuff. Okay, so now we get to some interesting things. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to go to chapter, still 46, verse 31. This is after the reunion, the tearful reunion and all that. Verse 31 says, Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds, they tend livestock, and they have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you in and asks, What is your occupation? You should answer, Your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. And then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all the shepherds are detestable to Egyptians. So this was Joseph kind of engineering this whole thing, right? He said, whenever you go to Pharaoh, they ask, and he says, you know, what do you guys do for a living? You say you raise sheep, and that I've done it all my life, and my grandfather did, and all this kind of stuff. And that way they won't, you know, they'll want you to live separately. Um, and we can have you live in Goshen now from what i i did some research on that you know that like I say Egypt was an agrarian economy they learned how to uh, irrigate some of the the fields based on the floods that occurred at the nile and the Nile river um seasonally okay now this famine obviously messed up the the irrigating schedule and so they weren't getting much much growth or at least they had seven years of great growth and now they're having this Seven years of famine. But um, Goshen was the hill country to the east of the Nile Delta. And so it was just rolling hills. And it was desert, of course. It is still desert. But, you know, those sheep over there, you know what Mark Twain said about the sheep in Israel? He says they must live on rocks because there's nothing else to eat. You know, But anyway, they could live around there and they'd roam around these uh, these hills. And these hills were probably not any much worse during the drought than they were before the drought i mean there's bound to be some difference but you know they they were they weren't suffering as badly as the people down in the delta that couldn't get things to grow anyway um what i really wanted to say was so if the hebrews the israelites were uh, living in a little ways kind of separated from the egyptians what would be the effect of that in terms of uh the future in terms of their they're soon to become history.
4: From a from a looking forward perspective, I would think Pharaoh wanted them to live with all the rest of the people because he wanted the best for them.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: From uh, Joseph's perspective, it would have been to keep his family from being intermingled with the mm-hmm. Egyptians' crazy. God, I, God's ideas and yep. help them help them be able to keep with. Yep, that, uh,
1: that's the exactly scriptures. what I was fishing toward. Is that you know that by living in Goshen and by the fact that the Egyptians detested shepherds, made it easier for the Israelites to maintain their separateness, to not get as you say not get sucked into all the uh, Egyptian uh, idol worship, and to keep their practices because the Egyptians didn't want to have any part of them anyway. You know? Now, I contrast that with the thing, you know, the deal that uh, um, Dina's brothers tried to make with the guys at Shechem after they, um, that Dinah's brothers tried to make with the, the men of Shechem after they, after that one, you know, the king's daughter or the king's son tried to rape Dinah. Maybe it's Dinah for you. Anyway, do you remember the story of Dinah? And, and the deal was, is uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and move in and we'll just, you know, we'll all be one big happy family and my daughters can marry your men and your men can marry my daughters. This was uh, the sons, I think, saying this. And <clears throat> the only thing is you guys all have to be circumcised. Now, if you think about that, that was a terrible idea. I mean, even if they'd gone through it, it was a terrible idea because then, all of Jacob's family would have been just commingled with all of these Shechemites, which were clearly pagans. And God, you know that that wasn't gonna that wasn't in God's uh, plan. So I guess my point was, is as you look at those two things, you can see why this solution is different because the uh, you know the Israelites were going to maintain some some separateness. Just some thoughts,
2: John. When this actually gets implemented, I think when Jacob or er, Jacob actually comes down and talks to Pharaoh, doesn't he? There seems to be a contradiction of what he tells them to do and what they end up doing. Maybe I'm misremembering. Well, but I, I think we'll you find might be, out later. but, but
1: we'll but, see here in a minute. Because we'll finish, we'll get to that part.
3: I think one reason why uh, uh, Elohim wanted uh, the Jews... Israels israelites to be separated from egypt because there was still e- uh, a lot of paganism in egypt at this time even joseph was there sure and so if the israelites the hebrews if they intermingle yeah with uh, egyptians that would possibly pull them away from yeah the, uh, that was exactly Ashura.
1: that was exactly the point i was trying to make you did it much better
5: The, the idea of being Hebrew or called out, just as it was with Abraham, is still the same today. Being called out, set apart yep. as a people for His name. But what's, that that never changes, even if you're in a different land. Yep. That, that never changes. Yep, that's a good point. What is the you know What does
1: the word holy mean? Set apart, right? So well, yeah. Did you have something to that? Right, then um, we're ready to start chapter 47. Does somebody want to read first 12 verses of chapter 47?
6: Then Joseph went and spoke to Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all that they possess, have come from the land of Canaan, and see... They are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land because there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the scarcity of food is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh spoke to Yosef, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Mizraim is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know of capable men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. <clears throat> and Yosef brought to his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days and the years of my sojourning are one hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not reached the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Mitzrayim. In the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with bread for the mouth of the little ones.
1: Okay. So there's some interesting things in there. Um, So you can see this, Joseph continues to engineer this whole situation because he, again, he tells them what to say, you know. Um, and uh, one of the things that's always been interesting to me is it says he chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. I'd sure like to know which five. I really would. It would be interesting to know that, but it, it doesn't say, beg your pardon? Yeah, just out of curiosity. My five and, and, uh, which five just, you know, I'll, I'll, never know. Maybe I can ask him when I get there, but <laughs> okay, we got
4: <laughs> i'm convinced one of the five had to be benjamin
1: i'll bet so. i'll bet so i bet one of the five was benjamin yeah
2: yeah well this five keeps coming up again i think this is the third time that i can recall that there's talking yeah. about five yeah. five blessings ever given to benjamin yeah or the, or the five five portions. times yeah there's something else too
1: Five books of the Torah. Five is an important number. You're right. Okay, so they go in to see Pharaoh, and uh, they do exactly what Joseph has said. Your servants. I'm in verse, the latter part of verse three. Your servants are shepherds. They replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. So he, they have established that they're shepherds. They're not just new to being shepherds. They've been shepherds all their lives, and they, they that's what they grew up with, right? They also said to him, We have come to live here for a while. Because the famine is severe in Canaan, and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now let your servants settle in Goshen. Um, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. Uh, so Pharaoh just is very nice. Just pick pick the land you want, tell them to settle there. So uh, Pharaoh and Joseph obviously have this great relationship, you know. But then verse 7 is, I think it's very interesting. Uh, then Joseph brought the father, his father Jacob in, and presented him to before Pharaoh. And Jacob, mine says blessed, but I have a little footnote that it says greeted. I guess they're not real sure what the word is. You know, it's, it's kind of like whenever you meet someone, you, I don't know, I say God bless you or something, just, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, and Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? Now, that's a kind of a funny thing to ask someone when you first meet them, and and unless there's something that kind of makes it noteworthy. Yeah. What were you going
3: to say, Joe? Okay, this is very interesting. I was wondering why Pharaoh was asking, uh, what is your occupation? And uh, then he says, uh, are there any capable men among you? Mm-hmm. And then uh, what you just said about uh, what you were saying about there, why was Pharaoh so interested when he had known from Joseph before this, what the occupations and sure, later sure he, would have. sure, he would. And I don't know if this is correct or not, but one of my uh, footnotes says that Pharaoh, if they were capable, then most likely Pharaoh would have drafted them into his army. Well, and so it's... Uh, that's, uh, not,
1: that's not what it says. Well, as
3: I said, that's what the footnotes say. You know, I don't have to agree with that, okay. you know, but yep. anyway... I think it's interesting that uh what is your occupation? Are there any uh these questions? There had to be a motive behind all these questions.
1: Well, I'm, I think the motive was to find the best place for them to live. I mean if they'd said we're farmers, they could have said, Okay, I'll give you this land down here by the river. Or if you said we're warriors, they said, Okay, I'll give you a job in the army or whatever. Yeah.
4: My my belief on that particular verse is that uh he was being polite because uh as we we talked about before uh Pharaoh the Egyptians didn't like uh herders but they needed them yeah yeah and so he as opposed to saying well have them take care of my flock he says if like if it's all right with you mm-hmm. or or if you think that it, it would be okay they would take care of my flock
1: it's just It says, if you know any among them with special ability. In other words, if there's some pretty good sheep raisers, you know, then put them in charge of my stuff.
2: Well, and Jacob is certainly an expert at that. Yeah. Right, in dealing with Laban's flock. Yep. Um, I just, in verse 6, the land of Egypt is before thee, and the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell in the land of Goshen. Well, are we to interpret that Goshen, in the eyes of the Egyptian, was like, eh? Right? Well, it Goshen might have been very pretty.
1: I mean, I can't imagine anything over there being all that pretty. I would prefer to see the stuff down by the riverbed myself.
2: But um, maybe that's why they thought it was the best. Um, well, it just seems like it's it's all in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. you' If you're if that fits what you do as your occupation, then yeah, I want that land. Yeah. But if everybody in Egypt hates what those guys doing, then it's like, well. You know, well, that's yeah, but, that's the the slums or whatever. That's the that's no good. Well, it depends on your viewpoint. I mean, no, if, I know, that's yeah, it's in the yeah. eye of the beholder.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's in the eye of the beholder. You're exactly right. Yeah. I see what you mean, kind of, about the mixed messages. But I'm still back on the uh, when when Pharaoh says, "How old are you?" I mean, the way I interpret that question is, "How old are you?" Go ahead, Wanda.
7: Since he found out they were her- sheep herders and that, it could be that Goshen was the best for that kind of thing.
1: That's my thought. Yeah. That's exactly my thought. Uh,
7: not that it was the best yeah. land.
1: If you but, if you happen to be detesting sheep herders, then you probably wouldn't want to live in Goshen.
7: Yeah. Yeah. And also five is the number of grace. Ah, huh.
1: good point. I knew it had some, something to do with that.
7: I would
8: th- I would think in the five there would have been um um Joseph himself Benjamin and then one one each from each one of the women the it could be Bildad and yeah. uh, Bilda and Leah yeah.
1: yeah it could be it could be makes sense
2: So back to your question about how old are you? Uh-huh. I mean, he says he's 100. I don't know how old Pharaoh is. The question is, how old is Pharaoh in in, re- in comparison? And how old, what is the average age of an Egyptian? I mean, is, that- is he looking at it like, wow, you've already lived a long time. It, it's impressive how long you've lived. You look like you've lived a long time. Yeah. <laughs> That's not necessarily a compliment, but yeah. you've, you know, you... is it possible that even though he was a hard life, as he describes it, because he was doing the things of the Torah. uh, You know, if you, you know, we hear about this later with Moses. If you do these things, if you do the commandments of Torah, you're going to be blessed and you're going to live a long life.
1: Yeah. You know, that's a very good point. It does not say, and we don't have any way of uh, knowing how old Pharaoh was. My, uh, my opinion has always been, he was kind of middle-aged, but there was no reason for that. It was just an assumption. Um, and it's also just again as you sit here and talk about it, I know the you know the Egyptian culture was known for uh, very yeah you know, they took a lot of pride in the way they looked, you know they they tended to to you know do weird things to their faces and whatnot to make them look more attractive. Uh, on the other hand, I know slaves didn't have you know slaves were doing good to have a 30 or 40 year lifespan, um, and so I should imagine that old Jacob, old Jacob, who has been spent his whole life out in the desert, you know, herding sheep, probably looks pretty unusual around there, because they probably don't have a lot of people that look like him. I mean, I, I, I can see that now that you mentioned it.
3: Yeah, well. being out there, he is well weathered.
1: Yes, well weathered's a good way to put it. But the best part is his answer. I mean, how old are you? And he says, um, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they are not equal to the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. In other words, I'm not as old as my fathers are, and man, my life has been tough. Right? That's what he's saying. Now, from his perspective, the thing one of the fun things just to consider here, to, looking back on this, it's obvious to me anyway, I'll make the case, that his life was determined when he stole the blessing from Esau. And that was the deception of going in there and saying to his dad, yes, I'm Esau, you know, bless me. And He got the blessing, and everything else that happened to him was because of that. And he deceived, but boy, he was deceived in his life, and it caused his life a great deal of misery, right? He went and got us this wife. He thought everything was going to be great, got deceived and ended up marrying her sister, had to wait another seven years to get her, and is deceived all the time by his uncle, or by his father-in-law, I should say. Then he, he comes over here, and uh, Jacob was deceived by all the other kids when they told him that Joseph had been you know evidently torn torn up by a lion eaten by a lion and then all he ever and he was he was deceived 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 so that's why he he thought and he's been you know depressed for the past 20 years <laughs> go ahead
7: i i looked it up really quick what the uh-huh. average age in those times were and it says the average age of death was 19 years Wow. But if you survived your youth, the life expectancy for women was about 30 and men about 34.
1: Okay. Uh, they died a lot younger. 130 is old. No wonder he said, man, how old are you? It's a good life of raising sheep in the desert will do it to you. That should be a lesson for us, huh, Mark?
2: A <laughs> couple of words. Uh, I think uh, Mike Had the same translation as the King James. It was my, the days were evil. Evil? Yeah, I like that a lot better than difficult. The Hebrew is raw, which would make, which would go with that. That's evil. Ra is evil. Yep. The other one was this pilgrimage Mm -hmm. caught my eye. Sojourn
1: was what, yeah, Mike said. Sojourn was what Mike said. But that's fine. Your said said pilgrimage. Yeah, it
2: says on the King James. But anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, Magur is the word. And it's interesting, it's like he's describing the times, it's almost like he's describing the times not in the land, not in the place where he's supposed to be. He's mm-hmm. a sojourner. He's, he's, you know, like the son of uh, Moses, mm-hmm. uh, Gershom, a stranger in a strange yeah. land. Yep.
1: Yep. A, 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 it's my understanding that a sojourn is a long-term visit. In other words, I'm not moving there, but it's not like a, it's not home. a weekend. Yeah, it's not home. So a sojourn is a, is kind of a long
2: term pilgrimage. Almost sounds like it's I'm going yeah, there yeah. for a religious I think pilgrimage. Is a bad,
1: bad choice. Right. I also but
2: like uh, evil much better than. I, he's associating the evilness sort of with not being where he's supposed to be. That's a good. Point. Kind of what I'm getting yep. at. I,
1: that's a good point.
6: I think pilgrim pilgrimage means the same though, because like uh, in uh, English we have the pilgrims. Progress, you know, famous. Yeah, a pilgrim pilgrim is is somebody who sojourns. Somebody's on a journey. Yeah, somebody's. Yeah.
2: Okay. I'll go there. I I mean, it's not a big deal. Yeah. That's something John Wayne would say. (laughs) All right, pilgrim.
1: Okay, so that's. uh, It's not. It's not the end, but that's pretty much the Joseph story from the perspective of. Certainly, Jacob. Anyway, let's let's read some more. Would somebody like to read from verse 13 uh through 27. Chapter 47 verses 13 through 27. I want to do that. One wants Barry said he'll do it. Well, There you go. Chapter 47 verse 13 through 27.
4: 13 through 27.
1: 13 through 27.
4: There was no food anywhere, for the famine was very severe, so that Joseph collected all the money there was in Egypt and Canaan in exchange for the grain they bought and put the money in Pharaoh's treasury. When all the money money in Egypt had been spent, and likewise in Canaan, all the Egyptians approached Joseph and said, give us something to eat. Even though we have no money, why should we die before your eyes? Joseph replied, give me your livestock. If you don't have money, I will give you food in exchange for your livestock. So they brought Joseph their livestock and Joseph gave them food in exchange for their horses, flocks, cattle, and donkeys, all that all that year the I'm sorry, all that year he provided them with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they approached Joseph again and said to him, We won't hide from my Lord that all our money is spent and the herds of livestock belong to my Lord. We have nothing left, as my Lord conceived, but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we and and our land will be enslaved to, to Pharaoh." but also give us seed to plant so that we can stay alive and not die and so that the land won't become barren. So Yosef acquired all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh as one by one the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine weighed them so severely. Thus the land became the property of Pharaoh. As As the people he reduced them to, I'm sorry, Uh, He reduced them to serfdom. Servitude.
1: Yeah, serfdom, okay.
4: Okay, city by city, from one end of Egypt's territory to the other. Only the priest's land did he not acquire, because the priests were entitled to provisions from Pharaoh, and they ate from what Pharaoh provided them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, As of today, I have acquired you and your land for Pharaoh. Here is seed for you to sow the land. When harvest time comes, you are to give 20% to Pharaoh. 80% will be yours to keep for seed to plant in the field as well as for your food and for that of your household and your little ones. They replied, You have saved our lives. So if it pleases my Lord, we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Joseph made it a law for the country of Egypt, valid to this day, that pharaohs should have 20%. Only the property belonging to the priests did not become pharaohs. Keep reading or stop?
1: No, one more verse.
4: Okay. Israel lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. They acquired possessions in it and were productive, and their numbers multiplied greatly.
1: Okay. Okay, so this, you know, the one of the things every time I read this thing, it makes me think of modern government. You know, uh, they start off everybody's their own man, kind of doing doing great, you know, raising crops, selling selling the crops, and making a living at it. And then along comes this famine, and uh, <laughs> my mind is kind of strange sometimes. So they they went and bought food that first year, or I guess this would have been about probably, well, I don't know whatever year it was and pretty soon they ran out of money and I, my first thought was well that wouldn't that wouldn't cause us any problem the government just print a bunch of money so they could buy some more right so but anyway they didn't do that they ran out of money literally they didn't have any more gold and silver in their houses so they come back and joseph says uh well okay i'll i got a special deal here i'll trade grain for livestock so that year they bring in their herds and trading grain for livestock. So Joseph slash Pharaoh end up with all the livestock. The next year they're out of livestock. Still don't still no crops. And so they go and they say, Well, we don't have anything. You know, there's nothing less but our land and our bodies. Uh Joseph says, Well that's okay. We'll take your land and your bodies, right? And so the land becomes Pharaoh's and he ends up, I mean, you know, coming up with this typical sharecropping number where um, you know, the, the owner of the land will allow you to work on the land in exchange for 20% of the crop. And, uh, then he provided the seed and the food to get him through that year as well. So it kind of goes without saying that famine must've been kind of getting a little over it by now.
5: Go ahead. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You know, uh, you can keep 80% of what 80% of nothing. So, um, so there had to be something on the land that yeah. they could. Well, do. a famine typically is not
1: absolutely no food, typically, but it's really sparse. It's not enough to it's not enough to be comfortable on. You usually can hardly keep yourself from being hungry. You sure can't sell any.
3: Yes, to to me, it was a regression. First, the money, then the livestock, then the land. Yep then this and that and yeah, then yeah, yeah. themselves. Yep, yep. So it was in value. Yep, you yep. know. Oh
7: well, yeah. When he just when he took their land and their bodies as you call it, he also gave them seed to plant. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So he gave them something to well, produce.
1: Well, and in general, they weren't all that disappointed. You know, you've
5: saved our lives, they said. And and he did. He did. When we were watching uh, Patterns of Evidence, Mm he talked about how the distribution of wealth changed for Pharaoh at that time. And this is one of those uh, examples. Like I say, one of these days, the government will own everything.
2: Sorry. Did you have a question? No, no. That was a parenthetical comment. Well... I could count I mean there's like a dozen things I could comment on here. Okay. Well you I mean pick a couple. Well <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's it's today that the parallel to to uh Franklin Delano Roosevelt, for example, is a good there's a lot of parallels there. Yep. And uh in my Patriot days, um you know, you could look at Joseph in a really negative way here. Yes, you could. Yes you could. Um that's another point. The other point is, it's interesting that before they traded that stuff, it implies that they were sovereigns. Yes, they did. They were had control over yeah. what they did, and the and the pharaoh didn't. Yes.
1: So, pharaoh you know, by method by doing this, pharaoh basically
2: took them captive. Well, yeah. he, he he enslaved them. Well, it, okay. Again, it, it depends on the word slave and servant is is yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, I they, not only did they agree? They said, you saved us. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's a point. They end up with a 20% income tax. Mm-hmm. And what is the deal with, with the sons of Israel? Assuming you equate the two. What's mm-hmm. the tax with Jacob? It's a tithe. It's a 10% tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, better deal. So what camp do you want to be in? Well, yeah. what deal sounds better to you? <laughs> 10% tax, 20% tax. Right. Yeah. It's like kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, that's a good point. And also, there's no tax on the property owned by the religious people. Yeah, I was going to comment on that. I wanted to hear what you guys thought about that. Isn't that applicable today? Uh, yes, it is applicable the today. Churches don't have to pay taxes. Is yeah. that just something that, oh, let's, no, that's not sound like a good idea, or is it something that's actually very biblical? It is. That it, you it is. are, because you are, and you. but you have to show that you're, you're sovereign and you're self governing, and you have the ability to do those things and make a po- a clear claim to that, mm-hmm. then those rules apply to you as well. Yeah. In yeah. fact, the priest, the the secular world, if I read that, this is how I read it, the secular world, the pharaohs, is dependent on the priest. To a large degree. I mean the priests are certainly immune from pharaoh scrutiny. Right, the implying that, you know, who's the real boss here? It's yeah. really the priestly yeah. class. Yeah. Or at least, I mean... If, if they're not the boss, they're certainly of equal value, of equal strength, if you will. Well, they have a lot more control over the secular world because it's a lot bigger. I mean... It, yes. But but when it comes down to it, if the most power you have is the one who has power as relate to God, that's the priestly class. Yes, yes. So...
1: That was pretty interesting. I thought the the... the, the First of all, this is very, oh, I'll, I'll use the word incorrectly, carnal. I mean, there's nothing spiritual here, right? This is just, this is the physics of how this worked. But why then did they go to all the trouble to tell us, except for the priests? Right. And the priests got to keep their land, and the priests got food from
2: Pharaoh. And who were the priests? It was Israel, wasn't it? No. Oh, I guess you could make that... He no, no, could no. be their priest. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's it, it their priest. But it's also Israel, isn't it? Well, it's Israel by a later understanding of a kingdom of priests. No, no, no. Right now, I mean, aren't they in the land of Goshen? Well, yeah, but they're not priests. What makes you think that? Well, they. Why? I mean, I look him at as priest for sure. I mean, they may not. Certainly, Pharaoh accepts accepts the the uh, the great authority that Joseph has, and he puts them on a high pedestal. He he is very impressed uh, with them. I am,
1: uh, but I don't. Yeah, I, I, you know, you can think that if you want, but I think the priests we're talking about here are. The, I'm not disputing the, that the, the, there are the, priests. The, the guy that the the old uh, Joseph's father-in-law, right? The high priest of on or whoever it was. They got a they have a whole culture there of all these different no, no. gods I, and stuff.
2: It's all those people that I, they're talking about. I'm not disputing that those don't exist, but why can't we also say that the the priestly class could apply to Israel? Well, I don't think so, but you could be right. Well, I, there are they do they do multiply and anyway, I I maybe that's okay. maybe I'm stretching or I'm looking at a spiritual thing and it's it's stretching what beyond what the
1: well, now you could be right from the standpoint that God blessed them to the point that they did proliferate. So, in some sense, yeah, they got that. But they didn't have any land in the first place, quite frankly. Well, right? they, got, they got Goshen. What well, they mean? didn't. That one, Goshen, wasn't theirs. They were sojourning. They even said we're staying
2: for a while. Well, that's what that's what Jacob says about himself.
1: No, 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 no. They said that. Did they? Okay. Um, it says in verse 3 of this chapter, Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, We have come to live here a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants and flocks have no pasture. So I think their intent, they stated up front that their intention was to go back.
7: And their well, intention sorry.
1: was to go back. So we'll have much more fun talking verse, about this. Verse 3.
2: Verse 3. Yeah,
1: 47, three. 3 and 4. Okay. Well,
2: that goes back to my argument. Uh, I know. Like I say,
1: we'll have a lot more fun with that as we as right. we get to talking about why that. Are yeah, why are they still there 400 years later,
2: later 200 yeah. years or whatever it is? Uh, just another quick... Sure. Another quick rabbit trail. That's fine. Well, actually, it's kind of two, but they go together. Okay. <laughs> uh, we don't know. It's speculation, but did they know what was going on, the Egyptians? What do you mean? Know what was going? Well, on? Well, that there was this five years, seven years of famine and or plenty, and then I seven think years. they knew that. Yes. So yes. it's it's man's nature not to think long term. Here, here. I mean, look what happened in the in the housing bubble. How many yep. people got burned because of that? Yeah. Right. They yep. don't. They can't. They, saving is a is a discipline to do, and you, not, you need to make sure that you don't. Saving it doesn't happen easy, right? And yeah. you need to, you know, not get caught up in yeah. stuff. So I, I'm I'm curious about that. And the other thing was, oh, if you're practicing good biblical permaculture practices, <laughs> yeah, and you've invested strongly in the land, which is a, the actual topsoil, yeah, it, it survives. It, it its ability to survive uh, drought is very is very is very pronounced. Yes, and that's so, true. But I don't know. But you th- have to think that's a long-term thing again. That's yes. that's an investment in the in this soil that you're not going to get paid back on for, yeah. for a couple of years.
1: Well, that's also something that these guys probably didn't understand very well, Joe. Because, you know, I remember, it's funny what you remember. But I remember learning about this idea of rotating crops and letting this land sit fallow. That didn't occur till the Middle Ages. You know, they didn't figure that out till the Middle Ages that that was a good way to do things. So, I guess my point is, is their farming practices weren't probably all that good. To say nothing of the fact that they probably weren't very forward thinking. Yeah.
3: The fact that uh, the land of the priests, he did not buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they didn't have to sell it yeah. their land because yeah, they got uh, their living they, they were getting a Scipion from Favorable and they lived off of that. It's like Pharaoh was giving them a pension, yeah. And they were living off that pension, yeah. Now, so they didn't need to yeah. do all this other stuff.
1: That's right. It kind of occurs to me now that I think about it. They had this this kind of special deal, going because Pharaoh, you know, got to be he was God's representative in Egypt. He was a god. He ran Egypt with God kind of giving him instructions. Well. How do you learn about this God? How do you communicate with this God? Well, that was what the priests did. So the priests kept the Pharaoh in power, and the Pharaoh obviously paid the, the priests
5: by providing them with their living. Yep. So throw this in there. It said they came back after a year. So whether you call a year forward thinking compared to today's terms? Because most people are living from paycheck to well, paycheck. Well, that's a good point. And yep they would come back the next year and say, hey, we ran out of stuff. Um, And then on the other note that John was mentioning, I'm not sure if this is what he meant, but he's saying that the sons of Israel were allowed to live in the land tax-free for a while. So therefore, that almost gave them a priestly status on a spiritual level. Okay, perhaps. But, you know.
7: In in, uh, As far as the Torah is concerned, the priests weren't allowed to own land. That's right. So you know these can't be God's priests. They have to be the pagan priests. That's a good point. Okay.
2: For sure the priests of Israel don't own the land, but Israel themselves, that was their inheritance, was the land. Israel itself. Yeah, well. Right. The twelve tribe. But that's, yeah, okay, in the It future. all depends on what scale you're looking at, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But here, here's an interesting, did you notice this in verse 7? Uh, and Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Yeah. Well, I mean, that word. if you're a priest. Is, but, the, is the word Baruch? Yes, it is. Okay. Which is interesting, as opposed to uh what's the other word i don't know but he said god bless you is what he said basically right well again priests are in the in the business of blessing people aren't they well
1: yeah
6: okay yeah
1: (laughs) okay let's go on and finish chapter 47 um that i want to read from 28 to the end it's just a little bit um Starting in verse 28 of chapter 47, Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where." they are buried. I will do as you say, he said, and swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So there's several little things in here we can talk about. Um, It says he died at 147. If you subtract 147, if you subtract 17 from 147, you get 130, which tells you how old, that's what that's how old he told Pharaoh he was when he met Pharaoh that first time. So the math works. Okay. So Jacob lived 17 more years after he went to Egypt. Um, now you, when you just put your hand under my thigh and swear thing. Where have we seen that before? Who did that? Tell me about Abraham. What was the, the occasion that that happened?
7: When he sent Eliezer to find a bride for Isaac.
1: Yep, yep. When when Abraham sent Eliezer to Laban, yeah, and find, to get Laban's sister, Rebecca, He made him swear.
7: I find it interesting that he lived 17 years after he was reunited with Joseph. Mm-hmm. When Joseph was around 17, when he lost him.
1: That's interesting. That's interesting. Now, this is John's big question is, why'd they stay around, you know? Um, but we'll talk more about that. Well, I think we can run that some more. Um, why do you suppose? I mean, we we've run across this before because God told God told Jacob that he would come back, didn't tell him that he would come back, you know, alive. As a matter of fact, he told him that Joseph will close your eyes. In other words, you'll die. Joseph will be there. So, why do you suppose? Jacob asked Joseph to swear this. Either one. I,
3: um, I was, uh, these words um, that, uh, please do not bury me. Well, no, if I have found, please, please place your hand under my thigh. And do kindness and truth with me. It's kind of an oath. Yes. And uh, and I was looking at Genesis uh, 24, verse 2, where Abraham used that same thing. So there must have been some type of custom. Yes. And
1: uh, we talked about that when we were.
3: He- Hebrew uh, culture. I don't know yeah.
1: if it was Hebrew culture or just the culture. Well,
3: it had to be some type of an oath, you yes. know.
4: Yes, yep. I don't remember where it is but I I do remember reading that God had told Jacob about them be, becoming servants uh in the future Genesis 15
1: Yeah that was Abraham he told that to
4: but oh, that's that's but, neither
1: here nor there that's that's fine okay.
4: but okay. he would have but he would have known that they would be there uh a long time a long time yeah uh, maybe
2: so another place is where that the word thigh comes up, and by the way, it's uh Yarek, the Hebrew word. Yeah, Yarek. Uh it's uh thirty two twenty-five. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he wrestling. touched the wrestling match. Yes. Yeah. Were you gonna go there? No, no. That's fine. Yeah, uh, he touched the hollow of his thigh, that's that word, mm-hmm. and the hollow was Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So it's interesting that that's the, I mean, I don't know, the hollow of the thigh or the thighs, two different things, but it's interesting that the thing where God touched him or the angel of God touched yeah, Jacob is where he's asking Joseph to swear swear this oath. To answer your question, it's to, if anything, it's just to show the seriousness of that. this needs to get done. You need to do, I need to count on you to do this.
1: Okay, I like that. I need to count on you to do this because uh, God told me that, that this needs to be done. But <laughs> that's a good one. I don't trust your brothers. But there's actually, I think, a more logical, plausible reason. And that is, if uh, Joseph is going to take his bones, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried, where are they buried, The forefathers and all that, Cave of Machpelah, which is in Hebron, okay? So that's where he wants, to be buried. Take me back to Hebron and bury me. If um, Jacob wants Joseph to do that, what does Joseph have to do? Yeah, Leave. And if Joseph leaves, who's got to agree to it? Pharaoh. So he can go to Pharaoh now and say, my father, who is on his deathbed, made me swear an oath to him that I would take his body back and have it buried where uh he grew up. And maybe Pharaoh thought, you know, would have said that's a much more there would be a, a stronger argument than than just to say, well, my I'd like to bury my dad back, you know, at home. Because I mean there's I, I the thing I want to emphasize here is while Joseph is, you know, obviously got great power, he still is under the control of Pharaoh.
3: Yeah, you know, what is the meaning of uh, then Israel prostrated himself towards the head of the bed? What was special about that, the head of the bed? That's we, we in really
1: uh, verse special. 31. Yeah, mine says something even different. It says, swear to me, he said, and then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So neither one of those make any sense, if you ask me. I'm sure there's something there. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> Homework assignment, all goes right? see if you can figure that out. But I'll be surprised if there's anything that... So
5: we'll have an answer by the time you get back, right? Okay, yeah, there you
1: go. So, <laughs> oh.
5: Okay. Let's, do you want to
1: go on? All right? Chapter 48. we got some time here. Let's see. Okay, let's read through verse 11, just see what's going on here. 48 verses 1 through 11.
8: And and it came to pass after these things that that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph comes unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, El Shaddai appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee, for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine, as Reuben and Simeon. They shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou begets after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. And as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come into Ephrath. Ephrath. And I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same as Beth and Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said who are these and Joseph said unto his father these are my sons whom Elohim has given me in this place and he said bring them I pray thee unto me and I will bless them now the eyes of Israel were dim for age so that he could not see and he brought them near unto him and he kissed them and embraced them. and Israel said unto Joseph I had not hoped See thy face, and lo, Elohim has showed me also thy seed. Okay, that's great.
1: So back at the beginning, it was sometimes later, it wasn't much later really probably, that uh, Joseph was told his father was ill, so he takes his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. It doesn't say how old they are, but the rest of the story uh, implies that they're not very old. They're probably 10 or less, something like that.
5: Probably close to 17 Well,
1: you know, you're right now that we think about it, because I, I stand corrected. He was there 17 years, and he had them before they came. Well, you know, I don't know that he had them before they came. Well, it, the, the, the names of his sons were recorded in the story before he came, and I don't, I'm not saying I, I don't believe that. I'm just saying it could be different. Because you know how sometimes, sometimes you're not reading in total sequential order. But but that's neither here nor there. I'm, I I think you're probably right.
4: Go ahead. The answer to that is right here in verse twelve. What does it say? It says Yosef brought them out from between his legs. So how how old would they be if they were hiding well, in his leg?
1: That's what I was going to say. To me, they can't be seventeen or eighteen because they wouldn't be doing that. So uh, if that's correct, that that's you know that's the reason I've always assumed they were rather young. But I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it could be. It could very well be an idiomatic expression. Um, anyway, let's go back and look at what Jacob says to Joseph, Verse starting at verse 3. He says, uh, he starts at the beginning, essentially. He says, El Shaddai, God Almighty, appeared to me in Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers, and I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Now, what uh, what experience was that?
2: Do you have some, John? <clears throat> well, I, you kind of have a comment down, but it's tied to this down all the way to verse 8, where you ask, who are these? Okay, well, I'll get to there in a minute. Yeah, but it's, I mean, so your question... My question is: Is this all news to Joseph? He knows all this, doesn't he? What do you mean, Joseph? Jacob is retelling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he knows all this. He's just so. The question is why? Why are we doing this? Well, he wanted
1: to. He wanted to. He's preparing to bless them. So it's kind of like let me review the
2: history for you. Well, let me jump ahead. Well, okay. My my, I have a comment on on footnote on verse D. Is this the first Jacob saw his grandsons? Contrast between. I can't believe that. Well, anyway, I believe there is a teaching by Rico Cortez, maybe others, that this is a formal legal adoption procedure occurring here. Okay. That they're I wouldn't going that. through, you know, we don't just start at some place. Oh yeah. Whatever you, Yeah. you know, nope. it's a formal, you're connecting the co- the covenant with Yahweh. Yeah. I agree All with that. All the way down. And he, and he's saying, he's asking a question. Who are these children? Mm-hmm. And he, he knows who they are. Yeah. And he's, you know, there's a yeah. There's a yep. dialogue and
1: there's yeah, witnesses yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a legal, legal procedure. Thing. It's a legal procedure that's going on.
4: It may I think it may be a legal procedure, but I think it's happening unanticipated un- because if they're small then for instance when the kids can't when my grandkids come to visit, I have it sent who are these, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, so they're announced,
7: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's
4: just, just for the sake of the kids to hear that, yeah. that they're being announced.
1: Well, both, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying, John, and I kind of tend to agree, but yeah, that's fine too. Uh, Genesis 41,
7: 40, uh, 50, right in there, 49, 50, right in there. It says that he had two sons that were born before the famine,
1: Oh, okay, then they're old. Yeah. Boy, that 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 has to set me back a bit. They must have been down on their knees when they were talking to him.
7: Probably, and plus it says that his eyes were dim, so he might not have been able to see him clear. And it doesn't record, because it probably doesn't matter, if he's had other children during that time, and he might you know, not be able to see real good, he might not have known which ones he'd brought with him.
1: Yeah. Um, Margaret's got one I'm just trying to save you a step
8: Uh, I'm going to come back to the book of Jasher in the book of Jasher there's a there's a discussion of when um, Judah had come looking for the looking for Joseph that they had to they had to seize Joseph and it was one of Joseph's boys probably the older one that was the only one that could subdue him, so I would think that boy must have been about fourteen, fifteen, teenage type. Mm-hmm. So add that to a seventeen. He yeah, probably, you... he's probably in his late late twenties or thirty. Yeah, at this point, I'm I'm struggling with that, but I I
1: can't deny the logic.
6: <laughs> I'd like to thank Wanda for vindicating me. <laughs> But I was going to read that myself. she, she took it, but uh, I was uh, when I read that, I find it kind of humorous when he says, "Who are these?" You know, I yeah. you ever hear some these old guys? They're like, yeah, you know, they see their grandkids. Yeah, yeah. They haven't seen them for a long while. Yeah, like, yeah. Who are these guys? Yeah, you know, like you know, they pretend like they don't know who. Don't they are. Don't recognize them anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, I that's but, the first you know, time. I think John makes a good point. Yep. Like yep. it's kind of a legal thing. Yep. And that say, would be a very much a legal so who are court these thing that we are, you know, invoking yeah. the blessing upon.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I hadn't thought about that before, and that makes a lot of sense.
2: So the the question is, the the, the conundrum is between his knees. Well, perhaps. Go I mean, ahead. I mean, as far as determining what the age is. Okay. Is it possible that that's a more of a metaphorical thing? Absolutely. And like my Hebrew idiom. My, Hebrew my idiom. groins, they're they're, they're the they're from my, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the family jewels. Yeah, yeah. That could be. They're, they're the
1: inheritance. Yeah, it could very well be something like that, and it's it translated this way because the guy didn't know how. A little more elegant than yeah, that yeah. what I did. Yeah, I think so, John. But, Okay. And, and, and in line with what you've been saying, the reason he starts here in verse 3 and starts with a whole story about El Shaddai met me on the hilltop, blah, blah, blah. And I, what I wanted to talk to you about, you guys are terrible to, uh, you know, they, uh, was what was the situation when that happened? What was going on with Jacob when that happened? What? He was on the run, it was his first night. Uh, after he had left home because Esau had said, as soon as dad dies, you're dead meat, right? And so he he's on the run and he's up there sleeping on a rock for a pillow and God comes down and says, it's the Jacob's Ladder thing, okay? Now you see what, and this is when God makes, he repeats the same covenant that he gave to Abram, the same one that he gave to Isaac, he now repeats to Jacob. And he basically says, as it says here, um, appeared to me and said, I am going to make you uh, fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give this land to you as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you.
7: Okay. Yeah.
3: Okay. Um, in verse three, where El Shaddai has appeared to me in lieu of the land of Canaan, and he's blessed me. And he said, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous. I will make you... A congregation of nations and I will give this land to you or rather uh, I will give this land to your offsprings after you have an eternal possession then going back to uh, 46 uh, verse uh, 3 and uh, I am the God the God of your father have no fear for sinning. it's almost like a a promise Well, it Uh, is. From that point to uh, El Shaddai, he's making his there. And uh, another thing I noticed the same thing he's telling about Abraham, you know, make you a a nation. He's also saying that to uh, uh, Jacob here in verse three. It's an assurance, a promise,
1: and a a prophecy. Well, it's a covenant. And it's God says, I'm doing this. John had one.
2: So the word for knee is barek, bet, rush, resh, kaf, And that's where we get baruch, the blessing. Yeah, I was going to say, it could so be blessing. it's the same. Okay. It's the same. Same word. Same word, different vowel points. Yep. Okay.
5: And one of the reasons that he would repeat it with the sun's present so that they can hear the legacy that was handed down. Yeah. Like like was mentioned. Well, it's the meat of the promise. Yeah, it's part of the legal transfer.
7: Yeah. I just wanted to comment real quick on adoption. I've actually been to legal adoptions before, and when they call the child up, the judge will call the child forward and ask him what his name is.
6: Mm -hmm.
7: Because during that procedure, they often have an opportunity to take a new name. Mm -hmm. They want to change their middle name, their first name, their last name, you know, to match the new family or whatever. They get that opportunity, but they're always asked what their name is. first.
1: Okay. Interesting. So he goes on in verse five and he says, Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you here. Okay, there's another one. Before I came to you here will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Okay, that's really interesting. Just that right there. Talk about that for a minute. Ephraim and Manasseh. What order is that in? Which one's younger, Ephraim or Manasseh? Ephraim. So it's the younger to the older. Ephraim and Manasseh will be uh mine just as Reuben and Simeon are mine where do Reuben and Simeon line up in terms of the order one and two so he's basically saying Ephraim and Manasseh will replace Reuben and Simeon or will cut in line in front of Reuben and Simeon yeah and Ephraim's first God.
2: This, to me, is almost like a mirror image of ja- with Esau and Jacob. Mm-hmm. Well, for one thing, it they, they, they mentions that his dim eyes. And what does Jacob do before Isaac? He's deceptive, right? Mm-hmm. Joseph is not at all. No. And it's also, it, it's almost, I I just kind of got this instinct that Jacob is trying to undo what he did to his father before. I don't know if that works or not, Well, but.
1: I don't know whether it's undo, but he's certainly doing the same kind of thing because it's he's he's gonna, as we'll read here, he's going to put the first or the second in place of the first. He's not he's not he's gonna switch the birth order again. He's gonna give the the birthright to the second one, not the first
2: one. Right, but how many how many but,
1: times has this happened?
2: Well, I know it happens. So it's the it's the norm. It, it's the norm. It's yeah. Not what it says, what, we're, what what is interesting though is there's no cause for this. I understand when joke we understand when Jacob went and did the deceptive thing yep. because it said prior to that Esau despised his birthright. Yep. There's nothing about that I was saying nope. about Manasseh, nope. Manasseh. Yep. Yep.
1: So it's it's just that concept.
2: for whatever reason. Jacob did it. Right. And I, I, that's why I think it's almost like he's trying to undo what he had done before and whatever. Yeah.
6: Well, I was thinking of the mirror image more in terms of you have Reuben, Simeon, and then Ephraim is literally now the youngest son of, the, of Jacob. Yep. And Manasseh is the second youngest. So... Ephraim replaces Reuben.
4: Manasa replaces DN. Yeah. yeah.
1: Interesting, interesting. Okay.
4: I I don't get the replacement part.
1: Well they didn't. It's just um, I, I like my analogy of cutting in line better
2: personally.
4: Cutting in line.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the replacement is he's 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 pulling the third generation, the generation of Joseph, and making him his second generation, yeah. his children. Yeah. So that's that's the replacement. Well, like that's s- how he's getting the. That's how Joseph is getting the double portion. Yes, that's his, how Joseph is getting the double portion by by saying they're no longer your sons; they're my sons. Yes. The ramifications of that are: when I give the blessings to the twelve sons, two of them are going to be your son. Yeah. I don't know
4: if that answers your. question. How many sons total does that actually make? Thirteen. That's the one that's the number that confuses me all the time with that. If there's thirteen sons, mm-hmm. because that takes Joseph out, puts his two sons in. That's right. But we always say there's twelve tribes.
1: Well, there's twelve sons. But there's twelve tribes
2: because Levi is spread out among the whole. We, we think of the 12 tribes as the inheritance that they have. Yeah. In that sense, they're 12. Yeah. But in terms of the allotments, you know, where
1: they took the promised land and, and gave each one his his allotment, there's only 12 of those because Levi didn't get one. So that brings from 13 back down to 12.
8: I, I think currently we have what's called generation skipping. Yes. Generation skipping where you leave to your grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on instead Mm of, or you allow a portion to them Mm -hmm. greater than to your own children. And that
1: still happens these days. Yeah. As a matter of fact, well, I won't go there, but that's part of
8: the state state tax. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So the thing that's interesting about this is that all of that, well, we haven't quite finished yet, but... um, yeah, does
3: this have anything to do with uh, when uh, Joseph's brothers uh, threw him in the pit? Could there be some connection between that act and what's going on now about the blessings?
1: I don't think so. The, the The point of doing this is Jacob is making it clear that Joseph gets the double blessing. And the way he gets the double blessing is by dividing the estate into thirteen parts and giving two to Joseph, i.e., Joseph's two sons. Okay, so that's that's what's going on there is he's making Joseph the giving Joseph the birthright. And it's interesting how all of that still, I shouldn't say still, but figures into the whole thing where we are today. You know, with Ephraim being lost and, and the northern kingdom, northern ten tribes being lost, and all that kind of stuff. It's
0: just all fits in. If you look at the um, allotment of the land, Mm -hmm. Menashe has two really, 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 really big pieces. Yep. And you take Ephraim's pretty good-sized piece, and there you'd have your double portion of just the land area itself. The, the two of them possess a huge part of all of the land of Israel. Yeah, it's all in the north. Judah is the south.
1: Okay, we got to rush along here. Um, so a lot of that I think John's analysis is good in that it was a, it's a legal thing that's been gone through here. He says, who are these, and they're named. Um. Let's see. So we're in verse, verse 12. I'll read for a couple minutes here. Um, verse 12. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees, or maybe from between Israel's knees or whatever, and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand. Um, and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, and crossing his arms, he put his left on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. So the firstborn should have been here, and the secondborn should have been here. And so Jacob does this maneuver, and he makes Manasseh, or Manasseh, the secondborn, and Ephraim the firstborn. Uh, And then he blessed them. I'll read the blessing, but we'll come back and analyze it later. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly upon the earth. Verse 17 says, When Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. And so he took hold of his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to him, No, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a people, and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he and his descendants will become a group of nations. And he blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. I'll finish it. Then Israel said to Joseph, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. And to you as to one who is over your brothers, I give the ridge of land I took from the Amorites with my sword and my bow. We'll talk about that later. But what do you think? Do you see what's going on here? Any thoughts?
2: Um, well, the, the blessing was a little bit different. Wording in the King James—I I mean, I, nothing that's. That, here's one thing that I have a footnote on. In in the uh, the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. The restored true name edition Bible says, <laughs> "And let them grow into a multitude like fish." <laughs> so he's comparing. He's in that Bible. I don't know what the what what. Why that's that way. Is that the
1: end of verse 16?
2: Uh, Yeah. Okay, mine just says, and
1: may they increase greatly upon the earth.
2: Well, I just, if that's true, what caught my mind is like, become fishers of men. Okay, okay, all right. Any
1: other thoughts? So this this blessing, oh, well, I, I noticed one there. Uh, whenever Jacob was responding to Joseph about, you know, oh, no, no, Dad, you got the wrong one under the right hand and all that, he says, but his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know he too will become a people, and he too will become great. That's Manasseh. He too will become a people, and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. So Manasseh will get the, uh, Ephraim will get the larger portion. Ephraim will get, Ephraim will become a group of nations, whereas Manasseh will become a nation. That's the way I read that. And that's that's not only there. That same differentiation can be found in other places too.
7: Yeah.
6: Yeah, when I think about what he uh, did there, obviously he was led by the Spirit to do this. Yep. And, he, and he's... Uh, prophesied in this instance but it almost seems like this is the way it should have been with him and Esau yeah and God is allowing him to fulfill what was meant for him that's a pretty and he, good way to look at kind it. of you know all these years he's been living with this and now he's he's received a sort of I guess a redemption I yeah. guess
1: yeah he, he set it back right yeah yeah behind you there
6: so if Manasseh and um, Ephraim are sort of replacing them don't you find it curious that both of them if they well they do grow into that multitude of nations um, that those the only two brothers who had never have lived in the land in the first place yeah, that's a
1: good point Furthermore, they're half-breeds, right? Because their mother isn't Hebrew. So there's a lot of things to look at and, and think about. But yeah, that's that's true. Let's, um, it's time to quit. So I think I'll quit. So uh, any last comments? Joe's got a last comment.
3: and Janice you go to Israel?
1: <laughs> well, okay. You can do that if you want to. Do you want to close us in prayer and do that? I'll give you the microphone there. Thank you.
3: Our Father, we thank you for being here tonight with us and teaching us your scriptures. Lord, we pray for Jerry and for James. They depart tomorrow morning for Israel, Father. We ask for their safety, and Father, for your blessings on them. Lord, we look for them when they come back and share good things with us from their trip. We just praise you and thank you now. In the name of Yeshua, we ask it. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you very much, Joe. Hear, here, hear, here, here. I'll say amen to that. Thank you, everybody. John, I'm sure i will do a great job here for the next four weeks, and I'll see you the first week in December. Yeah.